Welcome to Crypto Sapiens, a show that hosts lively discussions with innovative Web3 builders to help you learn about decentralized money systems, including Ethereum, Bitcoin, and DeFi. The podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Crypto Sapiens is presented in partnership with Bankless DAO, a movement for pioneers seeking freedom from the limitations of the traditional financial system. Bankless DAO will help the world go bankless by creating user-friendly on-ramps for people to discover decentralized financial technologies through education, media, and culture. Hello, everyone, and we are back with another episode of Crypto Sapiens. Today, we are talking with Gradient, aka Hannes Gray, founder of Grow Protocol. We discuss his journey into Web3, starting at Spotify to Revolut and eventually to creating Grow Protocol. We compare TradFi and DeFi, including deposit protection and insurance, while exploring the innovative strategies available on Grow, i.e. Vault, a leveraged yield optimizer that takes on the risk on behalf of the lower risk vault, the powered savings product. Let's get started. Hey, thanks for uh, having me and, and us on board here and, and letting us uh, uh, discuss some of these uh, exciting topics and things that are happening. Um, so yeah, my name is uh, Gradient or, or Hannes Gray. Um, my roads into into the wonderful land of DeFi uh, went, as is the case of, of many others, through the winding paths of, of Bitcoin uh, many years ago um, into, into more of a DeFi smart contract world a couple of years ago. Um, and then as my day job about a year ago when we set up uh, Growth Labs, the, the software company that's developing big growth protocol. Um, my day jobs through the many years before working on protocols um, have been in, in kind of consumer techs. So I was working at Spotify for, for a long eight years, uh, bringing music to many parts of the world and doing global expansion. Uh, and then after after music, I went into finance, actually. Um, but the traditional finance, I worked at a, at a mobile bank, a new bank called Revolut, where I did growth. So bringing mobile banking to more corners of the world. And um, and then as I was diving deeper into, into finance in my day job, I was finally able to happily let the two paths converge into, into DeFi when we set up uh, Growth Labs and started building on, on Growth Protocol, which is the, the first product we launched last summer, last autumn. That's great. Uh, thanks for that wonderful introduction. You know, I, I find myself recently having these conversations with people that are coming in from the traditional Web2 space into Web3. And I mean, no, you know, not, not small projects, but we're talking about like real meaningful projects and popular, and, um, you know, with, with tremendous uh, reach. And Spotify is definitely no, no slacker in that space, right? Um, so maybe let's let's talk a little bit about your transition, like how, like when you made that decision to go from you know Spotify to this fintech company, and then eventually to creating uh, Grow. What I mean, how how did that transition like feel like? Like, what I guess what were some of that What was some of that inspiration, and what were some of the takeaways from the traditional Web two space that allowed? Uh, maybe some good influence into uh, how you're building today. Okay, yeah, um, I think there's a there's a personal motivation and a larger larger kind of macro drive and movement. Um, on, a, on a personal level, I had been an entrepreneur in various startups like Spotify and Revolut for 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 ten years or so. And in a prior life, I was an, an entrepreneur setting up businesses, and I I kind of missed driving something and building it from from ground up. So that was a, a, a personal. 
um, desire to get back into that and, and build something from scratch again after having done it in the context of some other larger scale-ups. Um, but then from a kind of larger market movement and, and the tide that was happening, I've been working with you know consumer tech changing industries, changing uh, music consumption, and then changing mobile banking. Um, and DeFi was a, or is a wave that finally had a lot of the building blocks in place. Back in 2017, I started as my, as a hobby in a nighttime project, building a decentralized fund with a kind of DAO, the, the OG DAO type of approach to tokenized votes for um, uh, for due diligence, uh, deal sourcing, and, and various service related to an investment fund. Um, but um, as a lot of products needed longer lead times and many of the basic building books weren't in place, didn't decide to, to jump on that and make that my day job. But kept on looking at the space and being involved in the space as a, as a nighttime engagement throughout those years and seeing the, the many of the financial primitives being put in place. So many of the, the core building blocks that makes traditional finance and normal banks work, right? Uh, if you look at a normal bank PL, net interest income, lending income, basically the difference between your lending and borrowing rate uh, on your lending businesses is the core business of, of a bank. Um, together with with trading, enabling transactions between different parties uh, of, of assets, uh, and so those two kind of core financial primitives, um, they were white papers in 2017, um, uh, and now across the last two years, they've gone pretty far from being a white paper to being like permutation iteration 25, um, and intermingling with other later generations of those things. Um, and so now, when we have a lot of those basic building blocks in place, now we can get to the part of, of building integrated complex uh, experiences that take into account and can, and can build on that. So you can stand on the shoulders of, of many giants that are standing other giants. Yeah. So it sounds, <clears throat> excuse me, so it sounds like there was a transition, I guess, a, as you went along, but also it's inspired by that desire to build uh, and seeing um, or participating in some of that uh, building of that early ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. This is a. Um, I want to say it's a li- once in a lifetime opportunity to build to join the movement and help build it. But uh, but then again, we, it's also within our lifetimes that the uh, uh, internet and the mobile revolution and probably the AI revolution, etc., happening as well. So there are a couple of revolu- revolutions happening, but it's definitely one of the big ones that we can be at the force seat of the forefront of, of of making happen. Yeah, I mean, personally, it, it may come from a very biased point of view because I am so deeply immersed in this uh, ecosystem and this community uh, that is Web3, crypto, um, that I, I'm, I certainly am aware of some of the other uh, emerging technologies, AI, and um, uh, and some of the other ones that have been mentioned too here. But I, I don't know. I, I just, oh, virtual reality, that's the other one, right? And augmented reality. I, I, I feel like, there is something very empowering about the space that we're building here, right? That maybe is missing in some of the other ones. There's a very human element to it, both in terms of, you know, leveraging technology to facilitate, uh, you know, open, accessible financial systems for people, right? Like uh, what is DeFi? And even in terms of like governance uh, with DAOs, where there is a, uh, an opportunity for people to participate in how something is built and then earn uh, rewards for that participation, right? Get, getting incentives that are aligned to your own personal values, too. I think that is really interesting to me. I wonder how you feel about that. I think that's spot on. We are here in, in the bankless DAO talking about this, right? 
Um, there's, uh, there's also a good piece by, by Jess here around one of our investors in Variant Fund about the ownership economy and how uh, people are from being products of the media that they're consuming, a la Facebook, being sold to advertisers, now actually take part in, in building and taking part in the value that's being generated by these different platforms. Um, and I think the community and protocols and, and the DAOs that are now becoming increasingly intertwined with many of these, these products um, is, is also really um, in the zeitgeist where the very nature work is also changing. Um, and we're in a, in a time of COVID where suddenly a very large chunk of people find themselves working in places they didn't expect themselves to work in, uh, from home, from, from coffee shops, from, from, from you know, the mountains, wherever. And so the, the nature of work and, and how you create your, your daily life is changing. And I think um, making a living in finance is a, is a key part of that. Um, and the various organizations that we, we associate with uh, and collectives now or DAOs that we associate with uh, is, is part of that. So I think it's really, it's, it's, a, timely, it's a timely challenging and redefinition of, of the nature of work that's happening here now. Yeah, no, you're spot on on that as well. So walk me through the, I guess, genesis of Grow, um, you know, how, what, what, what some of the uh, first uh, I guess, iterations of it, how it's being uh, developed and evolving over time. And uh, yeah, just just a little introduction to the project before we get deep into the nuts and bolts of it. Sure. So um, as I was wrapping up at Revolut, there was um, the the DeFi summer, the wonderful DeFi summer was was kicking off and there were some pretty spectacular um, yields basically available in that space. Um, and when you talk to people who aren't in DeFi yet about this, um, the, the kind of default challenge of that or questioning that was, yes, high yields, but that's because you're taking on a lot of risk as well. Um, and yes, of course, there is a fair bit of risk. And you know, as the efficient market hypothesis goes, that uh, things are, are perfectly priced. So risk means higher yield and higher yield means risk. Um, but our feeling was that there was an opportunity to um, to more accurately price that risk. Basically, um, there was a, not this, the the yields weren't really corresponding to the amount of risk that some, uh, us included, felt there actually was in the market. And so we wanted to create something for some. You meet someone on the street and say, "Hey, here's an interest rate account with 10% yield for you." Or even five percent, because many of them are doing nine, the normal banks are offering much lower rates than that anyway. Um, and, but how can you get them to have a feeling of security and not that it's yes, this is a um, magic internet box and the money might disappear. Um, and so the design objective for Grow Protocol in the first product was basically a high yield savings account with deposit protection. Um, how can you get someone like put your money in here? You get great returns, but it's also protected. Uh, it's not a bank, but it's kind of like putting it in a bank in terms of protection. Um, now, if you want to be protected, though, that obviously comes, you have to pay for it somehow. Um, and so we looked at the, the broader like protection space, I guess you can call it, um, and different ways that the insurance, basically, or protection was being, being handled was you had insurance protocols where you could buy protection against failure of, of assets or online protocols. In, a, in an itemized way, we said, I want to be protected for the failure of, of Compound for, and the failure of USDC. Um, but then you have to buy that protection a la carte. You have to specify a period of time and to pay separately for it. Um, now, that's not really how it works. If you go to a bank and you say, hey, I want to put in a thousand bucks, the bank doesn't say, okay, for how long would you like to buy a deposit insurance? 
uh, can you please pay a bit extra for the deposit insurance? It's just this intrinsic built-in quality of the of the deposit. And so how can you replicate that type of experience in DeFi? What's the equivalent like a DeFi savings account with deposit protection? Um, and so the the way that we decided to fund that, well, maybe now I'll start to dive into protocol design. But yeah, that, that was the backdrop. How do you create a high-yield savings account? And then the flip side of that, the way that you fund that is by having someone else who takes on that risk. And in return, they get higher interest. And basically, and they, you can call it getting leverage on their on their, on their assets. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're, you're about to jump into the nuts and bolts of it. And I think, uh, we're going to be talking about powered and vault, right? The two strategies and the way that grow has implemented that insurance protection, if you will. So let's get into it. Um, what are these two products? Uh, maybe they're, they're the main products of the platform. I know there's one other strategy and we can dive into that one a little bit later, but, um, what are those two strategies and how, how do they work? Yeah. So, um, the protocol has a, a portfolio actually of many different strategies. Right now, there are seven live strategies. Um, and they are generating yield in a number of different ways through lending income, trading income, and, and governance token incentives. Um, the yield and the risk of, of those underlying strategies is broken up into two products. And so depending on your risk profile, you can select a high yield, high risk one or the low yield, low risk one. And when I say low yield, still much higher than a bank account, but less than leveraged yield in, in DeFi. And so the, the leveraged product is the, what we call the leveraged vault, the, the V, the leveraged vault product, um, which takes on then the risk on behalf of the lower risk vault, which is the, the powered savings product. And so they live in a kind of symbiotic relationship. Uh, it's not that they have different strategies, they actually have the exact same strategies. In fact, they need to have the same strategies. Because by having the exact same strategies and capital allocation, we can create this tranching, this breaking up of, of risks. So can you explain what that tranching, well, first of all, what does that mean in terms of uh, DeFi and uh, how does that tranching works in terms of how Grow uh, leverages both of those, uh, both of those, uh, I guess, uh, not going to use the word strategies but how it uses Vault and Powered uh, together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so tranching is one of those nice words that may be best used in the context of eating cake. Um, but also slicing up risk and, and risk tranching is something that's done in, in TradFi. So you have like c- senior and junior tranches of, of debt, for example, of, or various financial instruments. Um, and there are, there are various other risk tranching protocols out there as well um, that tranche very specific assets or uh, or, or protocols. What Grow does is create a portfolio of assets and a portfolio of yield sources. And because there's a portfolio of them, allows this tranching to also tranche and, and, and kind of divide up risk. Let's call it divide. Divide up risks that are also more uh, exotic. Um, so maybe an, an example would be the easiest way to explain how that would work. Um, let's assume we have, uh, we have $50 from the leverage vault. So there are $50 put into the, the high-risk, high-yield tranche, uh, the, high, the, the high-yield product, leverage vault. And we have $50 put into the powered savings products. We have $100 in total in the system. And then let's say that, uh, let's say that Tether is 20% of the portfolio. Um, now let's say that Tether blows up. Um, Tether goes to zero, God forbid, because that would be tricky for DeFi. But Tether blows up, then there's $20 lost inside the system. But instead of taking 
$10 from Leverage Vault and $10 from the Powered Savings side, we take the whole $20 from the Leverage Vault. So the Leverage Vault goes from having $50 to suddenly having $30 left, whereas Powered Savings product keeps on being protected. So it's a place where you can basically put in stable coins. You start off as stable coins, but once you have them in there, you're protected against the failure of Tether or DAI or USDC or the online protocols. So the whole, the whole, the whole loss is taken um, from the vault side first. Yeah. So how does, how does this balancing get done? Um, you know, I guess, what, what's the strategy for balancing uh, these uh, two different products and in terms of like the USDC, USDT and DAI uh, balancing between them? So right now the distribution is even. It's a, it's a governance parameter that can be that can be voted on, but right now it's an, an even distribution. Thirty four percent for USDC and thirty three for the two others. Um, so yeah, even distribution. Which um, that, then that also there's also a cap. Basically, you can't issue more of the protected product than there is um, leverage vault, right? Because the leverage vault is the protector of the powered savings product. Powered savings is also capped out at the amount of leverage vault in there. Um, so it's a combination of of a diversified portfolio of different strategies and stable coins, um, as well as a an upper cap from Vault TVL for how much powered savings that can that can be there, um, that allows the the powered product to to remain to maintain protection. Okay, so um, from from my research and and the work that uh, was contributed here as well for preparing for this uh, conversation, I understand that there's a risk balancer um, for vault and powered. And that is like where like the, the real gem is the risk balancer. Can you talk a little bit about that in terms of, you know, how it works? I see that there's balancing between like of compound curve. Like, what does that mean? How does that interact with those, with those other protocols? Yeah. So the risk balancer uh, looks at the current distribution between uh, different stablecoins. Um, and when someone deposits asset, it checks whether the asset being deposited is into something that's already too exposed. And if the asset is too exposed, as in there's a high concentration in that asset, then it swaps it over to the underrepresented asset. So that allows the, the, the risk to be distributed in a balanced way in, a, in an automatic, decentralized, user-driven way. So it's not that the 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 protocol or the um, or or a central team has to go in and and move assets around between them to maintain this this balancing. Um, the the basically the deposit and withdrawals of users verify whether an asset should be swapped or moved somewhere else in order to maintain this uh, this balanced exposure. So if, if for example if if Dai or let's say USDC is the most concentrated asset. There's like, let's say there's 50%, that would be too, be too much. Let's say there's 45% that you see in the system and someone wants to deposit in USDC, then their USDC gets swapped into, let's say DAI, if DAI is the underrepresented one, which then continuously drives the, the protocol towards a balanced exposure of assets. And so in terms of these products, it seems like these first two uh, unless I miss something, uh, operate on ZK Zinc, right? Uh, and we were talking about that briefly. Can you uh, share why it was launched on ZK Zinc versus you know another platform or directly right on onto Ethereum? 
So the core protocol was uh, was launched on Ethereum uh, first. Um, so the the core grow protocol has been live on Ethereum for uh, for a couple of months, um, and then we launched with we actually launched with Ardent as well on on base Ethereum. So if you download the Ardent app, then um, also on your Ethereum account you can you can access both powered and uh, and leverage vault. Um, now, as Argent geared up for their ZK Sync launch, uh, which now you can access if you if you have that, um, either you, you can add on an extra ZK Sync to account to your to your normal account, or or just create a ZK Sync one. Um, now, the the vault, their leveraged vault product is the the high yield leveraged offering for stablecoins in in that app. So the access to Grow Protocol through ZK Sync is through the Argent experience. Where you can, at a very low gas cost, and and of course with high transaction throughput as well, um, deposit stablecoins into into the vault product. Uh, so there's a third product here uh, called Labs, and it sounds like that's like an experimental uh, strategy with higher potential uh, yield, but obviously risk. And this is operating on Avalanche. Can you kind of talk a little bit about uh, Labs and the decision for launching it on Avalanche? Yeah. Um, well, first off, and maybe you want to reloop on this in like the multi-chain world, but what we got as, um, um, as the, the number one inquiry and request from the, from the DAO community was to go to more chains, uh, well, drive down gas costs and increase speed. So we we talked about L1s and L2s, uh, and there were a lot of people who expressed interest, especially in, in Avalanche. So we had some pretty vocal supporters of Avalanche in the DAO to begin with. Um, and so um, as we were considering the different options for multi-chain uh, expansion, we um, we also had one of our other partners uh, called Alpha Homora, or sorry, Alpha Finance, uh, which has a leveraged product called uh, Alpha Homora. Um, um, they were also launching an avalanche, so um, uh, it was kind of a multiple multiple aspects aligning both um, both our community wanted us to be an avalanche as well as one of our our partners just also launched an avalanche, and so the labs product was kind of a combination of a new new product expansion as well as going multi chain. Um, I think multi chain or especially basically. Faster and lower cost chains is is an absolute requirement. Um, I mean, we talk about um, the design objective of a high yield savings account is to to be able to have the kind of protection that you would have on a on a bank account and feeling safe with that. But equally, people don't expect to have to pay maybe some basic account opening fee on on a bank, but not the ongoing account management fees that banks would have um, are probably are less than you would pay for gas on on Ethereum, right? So that's also, um, I think, an, an absolute requirement as as we head into a broader market and to meet that demand. Yeah, certainly. I think there's something to be said for accessibility and efficiency, right? Um, and in terms of, you know, it sounds like there's there's uh, a clear sense of like how users can be uh, onboarded to use Grow, uh, and in terms of like allowing them to use it in uh, user friendly. Uh, ways and so one obviously it sounds like your collaboration with Argent and supporting you know and, and uh, operating through that through that wallet experience is one way for users to be able to have a more accessible experience, but also in terms of multi-chain right and then listening to the community and their demands and then going to another chain where there is opportunities to to onboard new users. Um, so 
I know early as we were preparing for this call, we were just briefly touching on like multi-chain and cross-chain. And I was wondering, you know, as a, a protocol, as, as, as Grow, the platform, you know, what are your thoughts in terms of um, operating, you know, in this, in this multi-chain ecosystem? Like, what are some of those advantages? Uh, are there disadvantages? And, you know, how uh, can you, I guess, benefit users across the entire ecosystem? Uh, without excluding those in, in maybe another uh, blockchain? I think we're seeing now there in the, be in the beginning. <laughs> Earlier, a lot of people were just coming from Ethereum and, uh, and trying out other chains and testing out um, other L1s. Um, and, you know, they, they've all, all had their wave and their own kind of mini DeFi summer as, you know, there's been a Uniswap version popping up on it and a Compound version popping up on it, etc., um, but I think that initial stage has now uh, passed and now we're getting to a point where you have uh, native communities popping up on these various chains where many of them are, they are, say, Polygon first or Avalanche first or, you know, pick your chain first. Um, not just uh, migrants from Ethereum that are, are feeling the, the burn um, of Ethereum gas in their wallets. Um, and so I think we'll continue to have um, people who are, of course, people migrating over from Ethereum, but most of them have already probably done their explorations. There will be multi-chain um, uh, DeFi users, but I think we're also starting to see that there are some communities building up and in specific chains, and and that's kind of their their home. Um, and so it'll probably be, end up being a, a hybrid world where you have both citizen and multiple chains, and those who are very dedicated to 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 single chains. Um, and obviously, well, since many, not all, but most are, are EVM compatible from a kind of innovator, um, innovator side, um, while the communities might be semi, semi isolated and, and some bridges, the innovation certainly is not right. Um, and the innovation spreading quickly across different chains. So one EVM innovation quickly becomes everyone's innovation. Yeah. So, I mean, I hear you also talking about community, right, in terms of um, the community demand for uh, launching on different protocols, for example, uh, like Avalanche. So let's talk about how Grow engages that community, because Grow is also a DAO, correct? Yep, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So there's a token that I imagine is used for governance. Like, So what are some of the kind of unique ways that that is being used today and how is Grow, um, you know, I guess getting temperature checks on the community and, and how active is that participation from the community? So we started off uh, with, uh, we call it emoji governance, where we were basically doing um, roadmap and preference uh, polls inside Discord with, you know, Discord bots and the poll bot. Um, and asking what people would like us to prioritize, what we would like to do next, um, including, and this was driving a lot of the earlier focus on, uh, and still actually ongoing focus on, on multi-chain. Um, so what the, after that, the kind of second request was to, to transform the community from emoji governance to, uh, DAO governance. Um, and as you know, Bankless DAO being one of the larger DAOs, the DAO and governance in itself is a product, right? It's uh, um, building the community around the protocol and, and how the protocol and the community can interact is in itself almost a dedicated work stream. Um, so after the initial core protocol launch, 
that was the the next thing that the community wanted is to like basically productize and 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 make it more formal um and so what we did across um q for last year was to launch the dao um and right now we know we have we have our snapshot um vote so vote.grow.xyz community.grow.xyz um where we are um running proposals and um and both as forum votes uh forum discussions as well as uh snapshot votes i think that's a pretty you know standard um playbook of of many DAOs to use a combination of those two including maybe more informal conversations in around the upcoming topics on discord or telegram um maybe one of the things that were kind of unique in the inception of the DAO was that um the DAO basically got to vote and not just vote but also execute its own existence um that's what i mean by that we created this um temporary non-transferable erc20 token um that we sent out to everyone who had used the protocol we call it xgrow um it was non-transferable so the only thing you could do with it you could basically vote um on a snapshot page um and then we discussed with the community what the DAO should look like in tokenomics for the for the DAO. Um and also whether we should do a, a token distribution event. Um then after that we created a vote on snapshot which was tied together with a Gnosis safe. So Gnosis, besides being a, a multi-sig wallet that you can hold assets together with you know colleagues or friends or whatever, um is also a multi-sig that you can execute transactions and through like this plugin between um Gnosis and Snapshot, the community was actually able to not only vote on the tokenomics, but there was the specific payload, the actual transaction, on-chain transaction payload was put inside this vote. And as the vote was coming to close, the community basically created itself or created the, the, the tokens itself as per as per those payloads that were in the in that vote. So to to maybe put a yeah, a self-birth of kinds. Um maybe that's not an image you want imprinted in your mind, but yeah. Um so that was that was an interesting origin of the of the creation of the DAO. Yeah, that's really good. Um and so, you know, having been, I guess, a uh contributor or a visitor <laughs> at times uh of several DAOs that are just kind of forming, I wonder if you could share with us uh your experience in terms of that genesis of the DAO, some of the challenges maybe early and some of the maybe ongoing challenges in terms of how DAO governance may work and some of the opportunities that you see in terms of just generally DAOs, but also in how uh, Grow would leverage, uh, you know, the, the DAO and its community power uh, in the future. Yeah, then the sequence of events are interesting in that we we launched the the core protocol first um, before the DAO, um, and we had an initial core um, core community, but still relatively limited. We're talking like in the in the hundreds of people um, who are in our in our Discord and our Telegram, um, just you know kicking the wheels on the product, trying to figure out how it was working and and what could be improved. Um, but it was still it was not with any kind of governance token associated with it. Um, then when we launched the DAO, that really kicked things into gear. Uh, it's it's fascinating how a a token can act as a as a forming and an aligning force. Um, and post creation of the DAO has really attracted a lot of really great contributors. Um, we have this. We have we have two. Um, we have 
two types of um, contributors that have some special types of roles. We have we have something called the OGs, the um, which are are people who are you know helping out a lot and and with uh, with questions etc. in the community. And then we've we launched a decentralized marketing team called the GeForce. Um, and so the GeForce basically works in in epochs where they are um, um, there's like three different categories. You have uh, broadcasters, content creators, and DAO ambassadors, um, where these the the DeForce basically um, collaborates in the, in their little groups, but also at the same time semi competitively uh, around the charts of who can help build the DAO and the protocol the best. Um, and so that's that's also been really fascinating to to launch kind of a decentralized marketing team, um, which works in a quite different way compared to the the the, the tradfi consumer tech way of building up a marketing say. Uh, where you don't know the real name of half of the people on the team, right? Um, but also interesting to see the very the extreme diversity of it of of the people um, who we do actually do calls with, so we we, we get some voice to it as well, um, and the types of of activities uh, that they contribute with. Um, so that's that. I think the the launching the DAO and and the token with that has been a, a really accelerating force uh, for the community. And I think having said that, we were, I think we were, I think I'm quite happy that we started with the product first because a DAO and working with the broader community also um, takes a lot of effort, um, very rewarding, but also takes a lot of effort and um, would probably slow down our protocol launch if we had, if we had started with the DAO earlier um, before the protocol in the initial protocol was launched. Yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, and thank you for sharing that story as well. Uh, so one of the things that I've I've heard you talking about with some regularity here is, is is your partners, right? And so you mentioned one of the partners that you had having already launched on Avalanche, and that kind of being part of, uh, I guess, an incentive for the project to to go to Avalanche. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure the word partner is the right word to use for Argent, but maybe they are also a partner. Um, but I wonder how you see partnerships in this space uh, and, you know, leveraging these relationships, these Web3 native relationships to grow both the value of the project uh, in terms of, you know, the way that it, it's able to maybe access new communities, but also uh, increase the value of, of the existing community that it has uh, or return that, that, that value back to the community that it has. Uh, and the reason why I ask that is um, I see that there are some conversations in terms of, um, you know, having, uh, I guess, connected with Olympus DAO, and I believe the other one was like Faye Ando. Like, what, what, what does this mean in terms of like enriching, I guess, the ecosystem for Grow and, um, you know, uh, aligning with the partners that you have? Hmm. There's obviously sometimes it's just community overlap that um, the, the the nature of the DAO working world is not that you are you're sitting in a cubicle in a company. But rather, you're running across these multiple communities where you have different degrees of engagement. So, just by nature of that being the world, there's going to already be a lot of overlap where people in our DAO are also people in your DAO, and in you know the DAOs have a lot of overlap. Um, so, I think that's just that's just part of nature of it that there is that kind of organic overlap because people are involved in multiple products that they have some kind of affinity to, um, and then that starts to like crystallize uh, different types of cultures and, and culture overlap between the different communities. Um, the the nature of partnerships is an interesting one, though, because the, there's DeFi is this permissionless world with protocols, but still at the same time there are very clear alignments between 
different different communities and, and different protocols. Um, maybe it happens organically, um, but um, um, yeah, like we have, we have a number of of our of our integrations as well um, that are maybe some to some degree also like precursors of of uh, of more open permissionless innovation. Um, as also permissionlessness is, uh, uh, I guess, in some regards for 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 protocol development uh, can be a security risk. So many of, of the permissionless protocols are, are still sometimes permissioned. Um, so the the I think community community helps bridge that and helps create confidence in 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 the different community how different protocols can collaborate. Um, and yeah, some have some have done a great job of, of creating many of those bridges. Um, and we are we are very keen and very happy that we have many DAO ambassadors in our community pushing to build more of those bridges. Yeah, I like that uh, community as a bridge. That's that's uh, that's definitely very refreshing, and I think very true, especially in terms of uh, DAOs and uh, people's contributions across several of them. I certainly uh, have seen that uh, at Bankless DAO uh, in terms of you know different projects being brought uh, forth by contributors of of the Bankless DAO, but also uh, from other. Uh, communities that they participate in. So, yeah, I think that that's really interesting because I think that also is, uh, like you said, very organic, uh, sustainable, and uh, probably uh, a, a better way to do it because there's there's uh, value alignment uh, from the very beginning uh, in terms of uh, connecting communities in that way. So one thing that's um, that's quite exciting that's happening right now, and again, a, a big part of the community conversations are on this, is um is pushing towards even more um even higher yields um so right now we're working on on the next iteration of some of the the core parts of the strategies um and so we have a, a yeah a forum post that's that's currently uh, under discussion where basically where we're going to dial up the the um dial up the allocation to some of the higher yielding strategies um, which, yeah, which will provide even more compelling yields for the, for the vault side, um, without compromising on the protection for the, for the low risk side. That's interesting. Actually, you know what, one thing that I did want to touch on, uh, before we close out is, uh, stable coins, right? Uh, I think that's a, that's a very popular term right now, just because of market dynamics. I think, uh, a few folks, uh, would, would be, uh, swapping out their 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 tokens for stable coins and then looking or exploring for ways to earn yield from that stable coin instead of just kind of leaving it in your wallet uh, what what is some of that like chatter you see happening and some of that activity uh within your own platform in terms of the current market conditions and um the fact that you that uh, grow is a platform for earning yield on your stable coins well uh, turbulent, um, m- turbulent or crabby markets is a great time to earn yields on your on your stable coins, right? So if you if you've gone to stables, then don't hesitate to to get some returns on your stables. Um, that's the thing with with these types of products, right? That they can they can offer something in every type of market condition. So there's a there's a time to be long, and there's a time to be short, and there's a time to to be yielding heavily. The, the 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 role of stablecoins, though, is yes, um, in between central bank digital currencies as well as a, a plethora of new stablecoins being launched. Um, I guess the question is, what's going to be the the 
non-DeFi native usages of stablecoins. Um, and I'm not saying that because I, I want to queue up and say that it's going to be the CBDC stablecoins that are going to succeed with doing that. Um, but um, uh, the, the majority of utility of stablecoins so far has been um, to use it for protocols internal usage or staking into curve gauges, etc. Um, but there's another, you know, a couple of billion people minus 10 million uh, that haven't used um, stablecoins for for their daily lives yet. Um, I think that's that's inevitable, and that's when we'll start to see what are the different types of stablecoins that will be used for those daily usages and how will they differ in nature. Um, so that's that's I think an, an exciting coming dimension of stablecoin usage. Interesting. Do you see Grow supporting stablecoins like uh, CBDCs, to your point? Um, let's see when the CBDCs uh, launch, whether they get any, any traction. Um, that's, I think they will, unless they become governmentally mandated, then they will have to fight on, a, on, a, on an even footing with other stablecoins for utility uh, within, within the ecosystem. But I could see how... Um, non-DeFi businesses starting to use DeFi would bias to use a CBDC just because, you know, it's closer to hand to what they're used to seeing in their bank account, right? Um, and then the interesting thing will be whether those those currencies, are they going to be, which chain are they going to be on? Are they going to be bridged? How will they integrate with DeFi? Are these going to be two parallel ecosystems where basically a CBDC ends up being in a, in a kind of closed network or how's that going to work? Um, I, you know, as a as internet beat out Noel Network and other various local closed networks, um, I think also and and I'm, I'm personally um, bullish on an open financial system and an open uh, internet currency to beat out uh, closed ones. Um, but that that war, if you will, war is maybe the wrong word because I don't think it has to be that aggressive. But that uh, that 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 competition and that um, that play has yet to to play out. And that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you'd like to learn more about Grow, please go to grow.xyz. That's G-R-O.xyz. And on Twitter at Grow Protocol. Thanks for listening to Crypto Sapiens. Please give us a follow, like, and a five-star review wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And stay tuned for our next discussion.